Today's program has been brought to you by Le Creuset. Visit Le Creuset for cast iron and stainless cookware, bakeware, pots, pans, and kitchen and bar tools. For more information, visit www.lecreuset.com. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. everyone hello hello welcome back to oh hello Ah, welcome back to sharp and hot i am your host chef emily peterson coming to you live from roberta's pizza in beautiful bushwick brooklyn today is episode 29 i have an interview to play for you that i recorded last week with celebrity chef the grill master ted reader ted has just released a new cookbook called gastro grilling that will make you want to fire up your grill his voice is really funny his, and when I say his voice, I, you know, <laughs> Matt's joining me in the studio also. Hi, Matt. Hello. When I say his voice, I mean the voice that he writes in. His voice sounds like a normal person. But when you read his cookbook, so I'm really tired. I was telling Matt earlier, my toddler has just not slept through the night now in weeks. And more, more tragically, the highway patrol is ripping up the highway that runs through my backyard between midnight and 4 a.m. So anything that I say during this episode that doesn't make sense or isn't clear or any um, f bombs that I inadvertently drop. I apologize now. Apologies to Grillmaster Ted Reader for making fun of his voice. I did make sure to email his PR person though and let her know that I was doing this today at <laughs> two p.m. So apologies all around. <laughs> um, so Matt, how have you been? You haven't been here for a couple weeks. How are I'm, things? I'm good. We were in Florida. I'm uh, pretty satisfied. I just ate my pizza. <laughs> I'm, just do- I'm doing good. <laughs> what were you in Florida for business or pleasure? Pleasure. Um, we learned very quickly that the tap water on the Gulf Coast of Florida mm-hmm. kind of tastes like farts. Interesting. Like yeah. a sulfur. Sulfur, yeah. Ah, okay. So that, that was the big takeaway, other than beaches are beautiful and, co- uh-huh. and tiki drinks taste wonderful. Uh-huh. And, and, and oh, stuff. were you drinking? Yeah, I was. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. you're back on the boost juice? I'm a little back on the boost juice. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was getting taunting uh, text messages from both you and your wife about being <laughs> at the beach, and sometimes they came with an image, which I appreciated, because the weather here has turned back to winter time, and we're expecting one to three inches of snow in my, at my, in my neck of the woods overnight. So Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. But, you know, what are you going to do? Eventually, eventually, summer will come, <laughs> or it will not. But okay, without further ado, ado, let's play the completely normal-voiced Ted Reader interview, which will get us excited for grilling season, which will come up as he will explain to me there is no such thing. In as- my head, he sounds like Daffy Duck. Already <laughs> ruined it. All right, let's play it. On the line with me now is Ted Reader, celebrity chef, grill master, culinary entrepreneur, and author of the new cookbook, his 11th Gastro Grilling. Hi, Ted. Hey, how you doing, Emily? Eleven cookbooks. That's incre- an incredible accomplishment. Congratulations. Thanks, but it's actually 21. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was just reading in the front flap here. Okay, so... Yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of others that I've done, uh, I've done under different pseudonyms for other people. So, but I've, I've written 11 under mine, and then uh, 11 or 12 under mine, and then the rest for, for other companies. And uh, so I do lots of food writing. I that, love it. That is an incredible accomplishment. I'm trying to write one, and it feels like it's going to be the death of me. <laughs> well, not to, make you, not to make you feel bad, I wrote Gastro Grilling in 17 days. 
I, you know, I actually do a lot of very good work under that kind of pressure. When I um, was told that I'd have a year to write it, my husband was like, why bother? You're not going to start until it's due. <laughs> exactly. That's it. The, this book was due, and I, and I was like, okay, uh, the month of November looks pretty good. I have to have it done by the 10th of November because we're going on vacation, and I don't want to work when I'm on vacation. Right. So I sat down. I locked myself in my garage and told my family, don't bother me. I'll see you in three weeks. <laughs> that is amazing. And I'm telling you, pressure, pressure works for certain personalities. <laughs> That's it. I had the concepts of what, I, what the recipes were going to be, but the actual physical typing of everything, I just sat down and I put my head down and I just started going. That's how Jack Kerouac wrote On the Road. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Quick and easy and, and it comes out of, you know, once you get in the rhythm, it just, it flows. It's, it's so much fun. And it's true. In your writing, you, it's very clear to hear your voice. I get a very clear sense of who you are and how you talk and how you would be to stand around the grill with. Well, thank you, because that was the, 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 one of the big focuses when, when Penguin had uh, approached me about doing the book, and I said, I want my editor to edit in because she knows my voice, and I want to keep my voice throughout the book. And in a lot of other books that I'd done, I found that my voice would be changed by food editors. And I was like, no, I want it kept. So you get me. Mission, <laughs> yeah, mission accomplished. It's very clearly you. Thank you. So tell me in 10 sentences or less, what's your life story? How did you end up behind the grill and behind the uh, food writers? Um, well, I always wanted to cook. And ever since I was a little kid, um, I've been cooking, watching cooking shows. and, and uh, But I learned to grill on a charcoal filled with, uh, on a wheelbarrow filled with charcoal. And that's where it began from a grilling perspective. Uh, my career took me through being a chef of restaurants to being the chef of the uh, Skydome, uh, where the Toronto Blue Jays play here in Toronto back when, when it opened in, in 1989, to becoming a product development and corporate chef for Canada's largest grocery store chain called Loblaws, where I started writing cookbooks for them. And so I was in the kitchen, and I was working on recipes, and we ended up making a book. And the funny thing about that very first book I ever worked on and and wrote the recipes for, that book book sold 125,000 copies in about 48 hours. Wow! Um, through the grocery store, it was it was a beautiful, beautiful book, and I got the bug and just wanted to share my recipes. Since then. I, I now am a professor at uh, the Canadian Food and Wine Institute at Niagara College where I teach uh, product innovation and how to be a research chef because that's my other life. I work for a variety of companies developing food products for grocery store chains and restaurant chains. I have to ask you a follow-up question. Uh, first of all, that is that I love your story. I love that you have the you know, the, the consistency and the passion, and I love that you knew what you wanted to do from the time you were a little kid. But I have to ask you about a wheelbarrow filled with charcoal. How did that come about? Um, <clears throat> my dad was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> my my mom said, please use frugal, but I got to tell you the truth. Okay, my dad was pretty cheap. <laughs> and we had <clears throat> this three-legged tripod charcoal grill. And he would cook his steaks on this grill. And I just remember the one day that the piece of aluminum foil that was covering the rusted out hole in the bottom of it fell through. And out came this, 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 this vocabulary that, that I've learned very well since then. <laughs> and uh, it came out. 
and my dad stormed off across the property to his woodshed, his work shed. He pulled out this red, rusted wheelbarrow, because it wasn't definitely new, and he filled it with charcoal, went in the house, took the shelf out of my mother's refrigerator, and put it on top, and that's what I learned to grill on. How innovative. I love that idea. So I, to this day, I have a wheelbarrow in my backyard that I occasionally cook on, and uh, it it always reminds me of my dad and, and the times and the steaks that he would cook and the burgers he would cook, and that just, that I think was the fuel that started this whole craziness. No pun intended, I'm sure. No, no, no pun intended. But, <laughs> and I love it. I love, I love the fact that I can go outside every day and fire up one of my many grills and smokers and cook something different, and play and 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 make food for my family and my friends. It's it's an exciting time every day, and I look, I don't know, I look forward to every meal that I make. Um, I put a lot of effort into it for my family, for my friends, through my job, through what the work I do. I look forward to what's the next great thing I'm going to pop in my mouth. That's why I'm a big guy. <laughs> and that's I how you know you're doing no the right the job. Food. I love it. Yeah, and that's how that's how you know you're doing the right job. You've chosen the right career path when you look forward to it with this, you know, and you've done it for as long as you have and you're still excited to do it. Exactly. Exactly. So I solicited some listener questions and I got a couple through social media and I have one on the voicemail. Um, the most popular question is charcoal versus gas and why? Okay. Um, gas, it's a wonderful, wonderful, convenient way to cook. It's nice and easy. You go outside, you fire it up, it gets hot, you throw your meat on it, and you can cook. It's great. Gives you a little bit of good flavor, too. It's nice charring, depending on the type of gas grill you have. But I'm a charcoal guy. I love charcoal. I have two gas grills in my yard and two built into my barbecue rig, and then about 56 that are all charcoal fired. Oh, my goodness. And I, I live and breathe it. I love it. And I research different styles of charcoal, different types of charcoal, because it's not just going down to the local store and buying a bag. Um, there are different styles of charcoal and types of charcoal that will give you different flavor, and that gives your recipe a different result in flavor. And so you can buy charcoal that's made from 100% pure natural hardwood, and it could be a blend of a variety of different woods. Or you can buy charcoal that's made from hickory or from 100% oak or from 100% maple or made from Jamaican pimento wood or from coconut shells. I saw the coconut shells in your book, and I thought, what a revelation. Why haven't I never thought of that? It's, it's, and, the, and the funny thing was, the first time I learned about it was in, in 2000. I was in Cochin, India, and I was, I was at this, this uh, we were on a food tour, and I was at this hotel, and they were baking bread in this wood-burning oven, but they weren't using wood. They were using the, the husks and the shells from the coconut. And it was amazing how hot that it was getting. And the, this, this, this wood-burning oven was probably pushing close to 1,000 degrees in there. And uh, so I was talking to my barbecue supplier here in Toronto who, who owns the world's largest barbecue store. And uh, I said, yeah, I was in India and da-da-da-da-da. And he's like, charcoal? I think I saw something about charcoal made from coconut. I'll find out. So he got it and brought it in, and it was amazing. And so uh, he can find anything in the barbecue world. So now in, in here in the Toronto area, we can get coconut charcoal. 
But online, you can find everything. I am totally going to seek this out. I'm very excited. I was, you know, I stopped myself. I was going to say this summer, but you have a really funny piece in about uh, in the book about cooking in winter and I have a memory of my father making tuna steaks in a blizzard and every time he would come back inside or when he came back inside with the platter he had like icicles formed on his mustache and his eyebrows <laughs> that's so true I mean it was a it's it was a cold cold winter here in Toronto and the coldest day I was out was it was minus 32 degrees Fahrenheit with a wind chill of minus 45 and it was brutal. And I was outside, I was doing this television gig, and we had seven grills and smokers fired up. And it was the coldest day I've ever, ever barbecued. It must and, have looked uh, really dramatic, though. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great show, and we had a great day. And now I look at any kind of weather as good, because that's the worst one I've had to do. Everything else is fine. <laughs> it's uphill from there. <laughs> it's uphill from there. <laughs> Okay, so another uh, question is, how do you oil or and or grease the grill without causing a huge fire? Ah, number one, uh, if you're applying nonstick cooking sprays to your grilling surface, to the grates, uh, you apply it when the grill is off. That's mm-hmm. the first part because that's the safest thing to do. You don't want to blow yourself up. Those little canisters of, of compressed uh, fuel become flamethrowers. <laughs> yeah, um, like so you've got to be careful with that. Uh, number two, what I do is once your grill is up and you want to add a little bit more grease, you can either take that nonstick spray and spray it into uh, a, a rag. Don't mm-hmm. take your, your go, don't go to your wife or go into the house and take the good rags out of the kitchen drawer. Your <laughs> wife gets, my wife gets upset with me when I do that. Go to the car shop and buy some. And wipe that down with an oiled rag and you'll be fine. But my little tip and trick is I take my grill brush and I spray the bristles really heavily and then I brush it into the grill and not only does it clean it, it oils it at the same time. That is an excellent trick. I'm going to do that. And then do you do you have a separate grill brush that you use just for oiling and then a separate one to clean, or it's all the same brush? It's the same brush. All right. It's the same brush. And it's just that if the, if the bristles start to break on it, toss it out. You should Every year you should be buying a new grill brush. And once it starts to fill with any gunk and grease and, and, and the carbon buildup, toss it out, get a new one. And uh, it's important to have a clean grill. A clean grill is a hotter grill, but most importantly, it's a healthier grill. As I was reading your tips for cleaning up your grill, I was thinking about my poor grill that's been sitting out all winter, untouched because it got buried in a snowdrift, and so I have to go out there and give it some love. They need love. They need <laughs> love. And you know what? In the, in the snowdrift, if you just fire them up, everything melts. That's true. That is a good point. Okay, I'm going to play you one now from a caller out on the east end of Long Island in New York State. Hello, Emily. This is Alexander from Montauk. And my question about grilling is, I just read somewhere that if you soak steaks in beer before you grill them, that that will take away any problems with carcinogens that are formed when you, when you brown the meat on the grill. And I was just wondering if that's because the meat doesn't brown or if, if the, if the, Beer has some effect that it changes the chemistry or whatever of grilling the steaks. And will the steaks still have that same delicious um, charcoal flavor? Anyway, thanks a million, and I can't wait to hear the answer. Bye. So that's kind of a twofold question about the carcinogens, and then I know that you recommend marinating stuff in different liquids. 
Yes. Uh, whether that marinating in beer will stop the carcinogens from forming, I don't believe that's true. Um, marinating in beer will just add different flavor, and you're not going to taste the carbon as much. You're going to taste the, the hops that are in the beer. Um, I, I believe in adding beer to everything, including me, on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but but really, uh, if you if you're spending good money on a really great steak cut, you don't need to marinate it. You know, if you've got a rib steak and it's dry aged for 28 days, let's say, and it's well marbled, the only thing you want to be putting on that beautiful piece of meat is a little bit of salt, pepper, and garlic and maybe and maybe baste it with a little olive oil with some fresh herbs in it or something along those lines. Um, and drizzle it with beer. That's fine. But you're, you're not going to stop the carcinogens. You want to stop the carcinogens? Don't grill. They're right. always going to be present. But that's why you want your grill to be clean. Keep it clean. If you've got a gas grill, that drip pan underneath needs to be removed. I would say every five times that you grill on a gas grill, take the drip pan out, clean it down, put it back in so that you don't have grease flare-ups or, or grease fires in your grill. On a charcoal grill, the grates as well need to be kept clean and scrape down the bowl every once in a while and clean it up. It doesn't take long. You vacuum your car, treat your grill like your car, and take care of it. I love that. I am so inspired. I am, I can't wait to go home. I think I'm going to change my menu for tonight and pull the grill away from the side of the house. Ted, people can find you on Twitter at Ted's BBQ World, right? And give them a website where they can look you up. They'll find me at tedreader.com, R-E-A-D-E-R.com. And also on Facebook, you can come to my fan page at Chef. Ted Reader BBQ. You'll find me there. Any grilling questions you have, please ask. I answer all my own, uh, uh, all my own social media, and I love to give back the answers because my, my, my job is to get people outside and to cook and to have as much fun as I do in the backyard. You have succeeded with this radio host. I'm on my way home to pick up a piece of steak. Beautiful. Thank you. Gastro Grilling is available now. Ted Reader, thank you so much for coming on Sharp and Hot. My pleasure. Have a delicious day. You too. Sharp and Hot is brought to you by the generous support of Le Creuset. Respect for tradition and authenticity has been Le Creuset's guiding principle since 1925. Yet, their innovative designs and exceptional quality ensure that they remain relevant today. The company began in 1925 when a casting specialist and an enameling expert opened their foundries at the crossroads of transportation routes for iron, coke, and sand. That same year, the first French oven was produced, laying the foundation for what is now an extensive range of cookware and kitchen utensils. Today, Le Creuset provides the finest quality stainless steel, stoneware, silicon, enamel on steel, textiles, and forged hard anodized aluminum, as well as the colorful line of cast iron cookware. Visit LeCruze.com and shop the full line of cookware, stoneware, bakeware, kitchen tools, wine accessories, and more. Heritage Radio Network thanks LeCruze for their generous support. Welcome back to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson. Joining me in the studio is Matt Wang. Hi, Matt. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good. See, you had a totally normal voice. <laughs> totally normal. So... I wanted to talk a little bit about um, how you go about hiring a chef. 
because I'm in a position to be hiring a chef right now. And we were talking uh, during the break and earlier it, during life, because we're <laughs> real life friends, uh, about the, like, the stress that comes about getting hired and becoming someone who becomes employed and like applying for a job and sending an email with your cover letter that you've read a hundred times and your resume that you've read a hundred times and then you hit send and then you just like wait. Yeah. I have a lot of experience with it from both sides trying to be hired as a chef and a culinary professional and hiring chefs and culinary professionals and going through that process of writing and getting a pile of resumes and weeding them out. And it's the worst. Like both from both sides, it's the worst. It's the worst. And I is like, is there any way around it? Like, is there any way you could like cut through all of that noise and just take all of the scary off the table and be like, hey, we're all just going to be grownups about this in a kinder, gentler world? Or is it just part of being a grownup? I ha I've been through the process where, you know, I've known the people I was talking to. And there was just this sort of level from the beginning of, listen, we're not going to do the dance. Mm -hmm. We're going to tell you what we want from you. You tell us what you want from us. And if we agree, good. Did you find that you respected people more who were direct with you? Who were like, oh, okay. always, always. Right. Yeah, I but, like that but, idea. but you know this because you know me. I, you know, I'm a little bit of a my own drum guy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I, when I weed through, through resumes, I mean, the things that, that I find appealing in people aren't necessarily the frontline things that other people would find appealing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there are things in resumes when you're hiring someone that are nervous making, like have a different job every year. And I want to give per someone credit and be like, well, you know, like I don't even have like a real job per se. My brother and I were joking yesterday about how it is that neither of us have kind of quote unquote real jobs <laughs> in our thirties. So I don't like, I can't hold that against someone, but if there's also no like, like trajectory and I went from this and then I did this and then I did that. And there's not a sense of like entrepreneurship that comes through. And that's why it's only been a year at gigs. That makes me nervous. Um, I've had a lot of jobs. I've had a lot of jobs. So I, I, I mean, but I, I've always been 18 months really early in my career. Somebody told me, you know, you, you stay somewhere for 18 months, then you split and go do the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I've sort of always stuck to that. That's good advice. Yeah, and now and now that I'm older and and things aren't as insane as they used to be, you know, it's two and a half years, three years, hopefully, you know, five years, and, and on and on. Hopefully, it'll stop and I'll just do one <laughs> thing just for find a while. To do. But yeah, it totally sucks. It's the wor it's the worst feeling in the world because it's so loaded to be on the end of on the on the looking end, like pressing click. We have a mutual friend that was involved in this in a, in a, for a good long time. And man, like the way it felt for her to send that resume one more time from what she told us is just insane. Mm -hmm. You know, because if she, yeah. you've done it five, six, seven times, it's so loaded. And then you're like, well, so I'll tell you a funny story about sending a resume of sorts. Um, did I mention I was on the Food Network recently? Yeah, you did. Yeah, okay. So after that, I... On Facebook on and on Twitter <laughs> and in real life. And you, IRL. Texted, and you texted me. I texted you. I just told you how to watch it on Amazon because you right. still haven't watched it. So my social media bliss is clearly not working. I don't cable. <laughs> so um, after that appearance, I was emailed a an open call for a um, a show about food and the history of food for a similar, possibly even the same, but maybe not network. Uh -huh. 
brand new show casting a host must love food must love history send us a two-minute video so i'm like awesome i'm both i'm like perfect why do i even have to send a video obviously i'm the right person but okay i'll entertain the idea <laughs> did you e- did you email them <laughs> and say that no no what i did was i made a two minute long youtube video and i uh intercut pieces of you know me being me on other youtube videos and then i posted it and i sent them the link and it's hidden like nobody can see it unless you have the link right so, um, in the which, sense, which we'll post, <laughs> which we will immediately post, and then, <laughs> oh, and then I can get all of the listener feedback at Chef Emily at sharpenhot dot com. Right. Um, so, I post the link, and then I almost, and then I email the then my cover letter and the link, and then I almost immediately look to see if someone's watched it, and no one watched. it. Oh yeah, yeah, because you can because ah, I can see how right, many views right, the video right. has. So. I want to believe I let a day go by, but I don't think I did. And I checked back on it again. And then like three people had looked at it. I was like, holy crap, three people looked at it. This is amazing. So I'm like, I'm spending the money I'm going to earn. I know I'm going to like pay this bill, these bills off. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then I check again and like 18 people have looked at it. I'm like, holy crap. And I asked my husband, Mark, I was like, this is amazing. He's like, well, you probably made it through like the, the team of interns and they sent it up to like the next group of people. And then they sent it up to like the next group. And you're probably like, you know, in the, the they're probably going to call in about 20 people. I start doing all these like statistics. I'm like, okay, 500 people on Facebook liked the call for audition. So let's say 25% of them send in their audition. So I'm one I'm of sure. like, oh, it's sickening. <laughs> so... <laughs> I click again, and I it's up to 46 views. I'm like, right. I call Mark. I'm like, is it possible that too many people are watching this? Like, are they laughing at me? And he's <laughs> like, I don't think so. I'm like, all right. So I hit refresh, and it goes up to 47. I'm like, oh, my God, someone's watching it right now. And I hit refresh again. It goes up, and I realize <laughs> it's me. <laughs> so I have no idea how many people have watched it who are not me. Um, I would guess zero to one <laughs> because someone I told the story to was like, you couldn't possibly have watched it 47 times. I'm like, oh, yeah, possible. A hundred percent. So I've narrowed my career choices and what I want to do into a job where there it's not like there's want ants. I can't go on Craigslist and find seeking television personality <laughs> or if I can, I'll probably end up naked on a couch somewhere, which is not the route that I want to go in. I've made it this far. Uh, so I, and I, it's the same thing. And I'm like trying not, I'm, I'm literally trying right now not to look and see if anybody's watching it as I'm talking about it. Cause there's a possibility that they're listening right now and they're gonna be like, oh yeah, we have to watch that girl's video. It's sitting in the inbox you, and it's a sickness. You can't get to deeper analytics where you can see IP addresses of who. I can't see IP addresses. I can see it's a hundred percent female. <laughs> not a good sign. <laughs> and 100% in New Jersey. <laughs> Hundred percent mother of one toddler. <laughs> right, that's really funny. so. Yeah, so now the the uh, the cutoff for the sending a tape was yesterday, and some people had posted theirs publicly, and I know this because I scoured YouTube to look for other people's auditions to see what I was up against. How's the competition? Not good. Not, I'm not worried. I gotta say that made me feel better. Right. I mean that with the utmost respect, but like, don't backlight yourself. I think would be an important lesson to take away if you're making a video and you're using your laptop turn it around so you're the light is in your eyes and i know it feels weird but also don't take that advice if you're going against me because or don't use your laptop well i use my laptop i didn't want to appear too professional i also realized yeah, you, you can use your phone or 
Well, oh. you could, I mean, you could use any recording. I used FaceTime, not FaceTime, uh, photo booth to record me. Or did I, you do like a, a whirly face effect? Yes. Oh. No, I did, fa- I, honestly, I did fade to white because I love Arrested Development. <laughs> so I did fade to white. So yeah. So that's my um, seeking work, anxiety. And I'm like, I'm anxious just thinking about it because uh, if you haven't seen the Joan Rivers documentary, I highly recommend it because in the first scene, she talks about the empty calendar syndrome of like panicking when you don't have a lot of work lined up. And I'm in that place. It is also tax day. I feel we should acknowledge. And I uh, did not do anything related to that yet. And so I'm assuming, I'm hoping that my accountant got my email this morning that said, subject line, eventually I'll get my, uh, my stuff together. <laughs> Could you please file an extension for me? <laughs> and so um, that is contributing to my anxiety, not sleeping, and then just sitting at my dining room table hitting refresh on a YouTube page. It's not, I'm not in a healthy place, Matt. Girl. <laughs> Girl, I noticed. So you lay down for a second. You know, think happy thoughts. I'm so. Think happy thoughts. Here's, you know, anxiety is anxiety is a bitch. Anxiety is the the sort of mental cancer that causes you all the negative things that that happen to you. Um, you know that I am a fan of meditation. Mm-hmm. I would. Suggest- I don't know that I did know that. Oh really? No, I I and it, I'm, I've meditated for a long time. Do you have an altar? No. Okay. No, I, I'm weird about it because I don't like I don't go. Do you sit in full lotus? I don't. In a version of, okay. but I, I don't really know. Like I have gone and taken professional seminars and gone to lots of Buddhist, um, different Buddhist places, not, not retreats or anything like that. And none of them really struck me. So I just sort of did my own thing, mm-hmm. but I've been doing it for like seven or eight years, pretty much every day. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of time. Anyway, you should just. Take some time to just sit and clear your head and take some deep breaths and just let that let that sort of air out a little bit because you're in a little you're in a little uh, chaos right now. I'm a little bit of chaos. I think I don't know. See, I have I, I have been on and off practicing yoga for since I was a teenager. Stuff like that is it's so about consistency. I know. Well, and what Especially I was going to say is yoga. that I uh, the, one of the takeaways that resonated so much with me is the concept of your monkey mind that your mind bounces around like in your head oh, like yeah, yeah. a chimpanzee in a cage like do 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 like it and so the idea of sitting down to meditate i feel like i'd be and i and i get that this is the whole point but i'm like i have to do the dishes there's i know there's a banana peel and a chopped onion skin on the cutting board right now <laughs> and my poor father-in-law is watching my son and he's looking at like the squalor that my kid is living in and i would feel like am i neglecting doing the dishes to sit and meditate for what's probably what 5 15 20 minutes how many minutes do you meditate for a lot I- i'm oh. up to doing it a lot but more than five? Oh yeah well <laughs> it's sort of the the baseline is kind of 15 to 20 okay um but i've been i've been pushing it out lately and really enjoying the results um which so- are what what are the results um, for me, God, it, it, the, the thing I always say is that it provides you with some space between cause and effect, between input and output, between the thing you said and what's going to hook a reaction out of me. It provides a little bit of time because I've thought and sort of given myself a, some space to clear my head. 
that I can give myself some space to think about my reaction, think about how I would rather react and make a decision rather than just being a, a an animal. Everyone should be doing this. That's what I said. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, maybe I'll try to do it. I can't make any promises. I have a lot going on. So <laughs> I have a lot going on in an empty calendar. It's yeah. Yeah. So my wife was telling me that she, she likes RuPaul a lot. She was listening to RuPaul giving, uh, doing a podcast. Um, and what he was saying was that he meditates and he gets stuck in that monkey mind thing. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And what he does to get himself out of it is he says, what am I going to think of next? And he get, and his mind goes, well, I don't know. <laughs> and <laughs> that, just, that. that just sort of ends the loop, which I think is really funny. My, but, I had an old roommate who, in order to cure the hiccups, if you had the hiccups, she would say, hiccup again, hiccup again. Hicc-, and you like <laughs> couldn't do it. And then your hiccups would go away. It's a similar idea. But the thing about, about meditating is that, you know, getting too hung up on, oh, I'm not doing this right. I'm thinking about stuff. That, that's not the game. The game is being like, cool, this is what I'm doing. I'm thinking about stuff. But just letting it disappear. Like letting this thought dissipate and like like the way a wave comes into the sand and the water just dissipates. That you, the, I literally can see the thoughts dissipating like that. I'm feeling much calmer just talking to you about this. Yeah. I, I have this weird feeling that like, like this is my whole mental health thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... Uh, it's it's so important. It's like so so important. Not just in the food world, but having a lot to do with the food world. I mean, it's the chicken and the egg. Was I was I a ridiculously sensitive animal before I started working in the restaurant business? Is that why I ended up in the <laughs> restaurant business? You know, and and like, how do I? What do I do to remain healthy? You know. I do feel much calmer just, I, yeah. and I think just talking, I have to find a new therapist, I think. Yeah, without <laughs> question. Because, yeah, okay. Thank you again for listening to Sharp and that's Hot, it. everybody. We that's haven't it. talked about how to hire a chef at all. Well, we talked about, we touched on it. Okay. <laughs> we could talk about it more. We could talk about it more next week when I have a pile of resumes in my inbox, Chef Emily at sharpandhot.com. because yeah, I, I got the rule. I got the number one rule on that. Will you be here next week? Uh, maybe it depends. All right, cool. You'll be joined by um, the editor in chief of Organic Magazine, Organic Gardening Magazine, Ethne Clark. She's coming on next week to talk about her program, Dig Plant Grow with Kids. In the meantime, if you have cooking questions, the lines have been a little quiet. So if you have questions, give me a call. Go to sharpandhot.com. You can find me on Facebook at Chef Emily P. Visit Facebook, uh, Twitter. That's everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> Instagram. Instagram, Chef Emily P. Until next week, everybody, take some deep breaths and keep playing with fire and knives. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.